a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Have you completely dedicated every part of yourself to? And I said, well, what's the answer? And she says, that's the trouble. The answer is always no. I said, well, let's ask the question a different way. Has Jesus given everything for you? Has he dedicated his whole life to you? Has he invited you into his heart? And the answer to that is a glorious and gracious and conscious, freeing, comforting yes. Uh, only then we, we hear the gospel, that Jesus Christ came to earth, uh, was born of a Virgin Mary, lived a perfect life uh, in our place, and died the death that we deserved, took on the full wrath of God. All that was done for us so that we could be called righteous and holy in the eyes of God. That's not going to help with the who wants to date a seminarian hotline right there. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another edition of Table Talk Radio. This is the second annual Reformation edition of the Table Talk Radio. <laughs> hey, that's right. Reformation coming up. Uh, today, I mean, depending on when they're listening to it, it could be today. Yeah, October 31st. Oh, that's right. All okay. Hallows' Eve. That's right. Okay, so we this is a special Reformation edition, and in light of Reformation, we are going to be playing Name That Thesis. Theses? Yeah. That's my favorite game. <laughs> we haven't even played it yet. How do you know? <laughs> and then we're going to be uh, know. joined by... A I vi- can sense a good game. <laughs> yeah, kind of like a Church Father or... That, I think, church history headline. Oh, man. Some of those church history <laughs> games have bombed. Uh, we're going to have a special guest, <laughs> Professor John Pless, with us a little later, uh, playing Who Which have Ladder. Reformation? That's right. And then we'll end up something else. Uh, we don't really know what we're going to play in the fourth segment yet, but we'll figure it out. Um, so we need to do our buzzwords before I forget again. Yeah. And uh, my theological buzzword for you, Pastor, is open theism. It's oh, more man. of a <laughs> buzz phrase. Uh, this is the belief that that God created uh, the heavens and the earth. He put everything in motion, and then he is hands-off from there on out. He stepped back to, to watch uh, how everything plays out. He uh, has no involvement in his creation after after that he has created. So he's just kind of sitting back and watching the, the globe spin. That's open theism. That's slightly, now, that's slightly different than the open theists I know. Uh, they would say that God is involved, but the future is a determination both of God's choices and of man's choices, so that the future is open to God. He's reacting to the free will of man as well. So. Oh, really? Maybe two different versions of the same false teaching. Well, you can use the word in either in either way, <laughs> opening My, your, your ability to get the buzzword today. My uh, my theological buzzword for you is anathema, which is a Greek word, which means accursed. So Paul says, if anyone comes with a different gospel, me, an angel from heaven, let them be anathema. Let them be accursed. Uh, and throughout the history of the church, uh, different doctrines and different teachers were anathematized. That means sent packing uh, because their false doctrine was damning. Uh, I'm sorry. I do English words only. It's Englishized. <laughs> All right, well, let's play this game. I'm excited. Name that theses. What what are the now, theses up for up for availability here? Now we know that the the reason why Reformation Day is celebrated on October 31st is because that's the day when Martin Luther nailed the 95 theses to the Castle Church door in Wittenberg, and this uh, started a big brouhaha. 
uh, which ended up being called the Reformation. So the 95 Theses, those are your first choice. The second is the Heidelberg Theses. It was about a year later, 1518, that Luther was invited by his fellow Augustinian monks over to the town of Heidelberg to um, uh, present some theses there. And so he presented what's called the Heidelberg Theses. And the marvelous thing is, I mean, when you compare the two, the 95 Theses are all about indulgences. Uh, and you you would think that when Luther gets to over to Heidelberg, he'd take up the topic of indulgences. I mean, that's, after all, what everyone's fighting about. But he really doesn't. And there he puts forth his theology of the cross and the theology of the glory. Of, of glory. Um, and compares the two. So, uh, well, I'm going to give you a thesis, and you then can guess, Vicar, if it's from the 95 Theses or from the Heidelberg Theses. And all of you playing along at home can also guess. And points And by the way, this? if you get it right, you get points, yes. How many 200 points? 200 points per thesis. Okay, I'll play. <laughs> all right, you ready? I'm ready. I'm opening it up here. Okay, good. <clears throat> nice stall. Thesis number one. When our Lord and Master... Well, this is your first thesis, not necessarily the first of the I don't know. I, I was just laughing at you stalling to open the book. Go. Okay. When our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, he called for the entire life of believers to be one of repentance. I think you said not necessarily the first thesis, but I think this is the first thesis of the 95 theses. Is that right? Is it number one? Is that your final answer? It is my final answer. Are you hoping for extra points by guessing the number? I, I'll take it. I mean... Okay, you're right. All right. Hey! Yes, this is how... Oh, how marvelous of a thesis this is. Now, most of the 95 theses, really, to be kind of frank, aren't that good. <laughs> but this one's good. Um, this when is our like, Lord and Master... <laughs> this is the Jesus only one Christ I know repent, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's really nice. Uh, repent is then a lifelong thing. Uh, now, so you get 200 points for guessing the right thesis. Now, you what get 100 I, what, points guessing the right number. That's a total of 300. And now I will give you even more points if you can give me a uh, just a very clean definition of repentance. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, well, the Catechism teaches us that, that repentance has two parts. First, that we are contrite and sorry for our sins. And second, that we receive absolution for that. So there's there's two parts of that repentance. Um, but I wanted to also talk about how this... Hey, wait, I'm giving you points for oh, that okay, great answer. Points. The two points. parts of repentance, 200 points. Woo, I'm up to 500 already. I feel bad I for you. Um, no, but I want to talk about how this, this thesis really applies today. Um, I mean, Luther was writing in light of, of the medieval Roman Catholic Church, but, but also in, in a large part of American evangelicalism today, um, views this uh, repentance as, as an initial entrance into Christianity. So that we repent of our sins, receive salvation, uh, decide to follow Christ. But then thereafter, repentance uh, is really nowhere to be seen. It's about uh, living the right life, getting better, uh, becoming more spiritual, or, or uh, you know, making progress in our Christian life. Uh, but this is maybe a good reminder to then look at, at Luther's first of the 95 Theses, that the whole Christian life is a life of repentance. That's right. Yeah, everything we do. We're hearing the Lord's law, which condemns us and gives and makes us sorry for our sorry lives. And then we hear the gospel, which lifts us up and gives us life because Jesus has now taken care of everything for us. It's really quite wonderful. And this is and this is right. This is our entire life. That's right. Okay. Well, I want to get more points. So, I mean, 500 is good, but let's get some more. Yeah. Hey, what was okay, my buzzword ready? again? Your buzzword was anathema. Oh, yeah. I'll write that down now. Uh, let's see here. Here's another thesis for you. 
The law says, do this, and it is never done. Grace says, believe this one, and forthwith, everything is done. Okay, so this is, this is either in the 95 Theses or the Heidelberg, right? Right. I'm going to go with Heidelberg on this time. I'm not sure, but I'm just going to guess. Uh, why would you guess? Just because I did 95 last time? Yep. <laughs> well, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't this marvelous? So, so that here he's, uh, I mean, Luther is just right on the cusp of discovering law and gospel, the distinction thereof. And this really is what defines the Reformation, Luther's discovery of the distinction between law and gospel. But he hasn't gotten it yet. Uh, so, but he's right on the edge. The law says do it, it's never done. Grace says believe it, and everything is done. Uh, so the difference between uh, between law and grace there. And it, this is Heidelberg thesis number 26. I thought There's so. A, 26, yeah. <laughs> 200 points for you. 700 points is what I'm at. Ready for one more then? Ready for one more. Okay. The love of God does not find its object, but rather creates it. Human love starts with the object. Hmm. hmm. I could use another reading on that one. The love of God does not find its object, but rather creates it. Human love starts with the object. Hmm. I can give you a different translation. <laughs> the love of God does not find, but creates that which is pleasing to it. The love of man comes into being through that which is pleasing to it. Uh, I'm now, first, sure. you got to figure out what it's saying. Uh... I'll leave that to you. Um, I'm not sure. I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess Heidelberg again. You are right. All right. What a lucky. Okay, explain dog. that to us, and I'm pretty confused. Well, look, it's comparing the love of man to the love of God, and the way that man loves works is it says, "Hey, hey, uh, I'm looking for something lovely to love, so I'm gonna find something lovely, then I'm gonna love it." But God doesn't do it that way. He, his love isn't isn't that direction. He doesn't look for something lovable to then love. He looks for that which is unlovable, and then his love actually, actually makes the object lovable itself. So we don't have to be that great or impressive to God. We don't have to be lovable to him or holy or acceptable. We simply go along in our sinfulness, and then the Lord comes along, and he loves us, and his love itself makes us lovable. The wow. love of God does not find but creates that which is pleasing to it, so that, so that we are not pleasing to God in our sinfulness. But when he comes along and loves us, he makes us pleasing to him. Isn't that great? That's that, that's wonderful. Um, uh, and what what number was that in, in Heidelberg? That was number 28, the last of the theological theses. Now, if you're out there listening and say, hey, this stuff sounds pretty good. You want to uh, remember Reformation Day by reading some theses? Don't go to the 95. Look up the Heidelberg theses and read through them. They're really quite wonderful. Very good. Okay, well, after this break, we're going to be back with... Uh, Professor John Pless, Concordia Theological Seminary. We're going to be playing Witch Loud with Professor Pless. Uh, so happy Reformation Day, and we'll be right back for more Table Talk Radio. When Tetzel came near Wittenberg, St. Peter's prophet's or I wrote a little notice for the All Saints bulletin board. You cannot purchase merits for justified by grace. Here's 95 more reasons, brother Tetzel, in your face. So, faithful bulls, indulgences, and transubstantiation. Speak your mind against them and face excommunication. Fail your theses to the door that's not a reformation. Faithful bulls, indulgences, and transubstantiation. 
Table Talk Radio, giving away 100 million Table Talk Radio points by 2017. Every morning at the mine, you could see him arrive. He stood six foot six and weighed 245, kind of broad at the shoulder and narrow at the hip. And everybody knew you didn't give no lip to Big John. Oh, man, that's Big John. Big John. Big Bad John. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. We have our special guest on the line, Professor John Pless, Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Professor Pless, welcome. Thank you, I think. <laughs> He's thinking, what did I get myself into? Yeah. I like background. <laughs> uh, well, we're, today we're playing uh, Which Ladder? And uh, this game comes from a book, uh, The Quest for Holiness by Adolf Caberly. And uh, talks about the three man-made ladders to get to heaven. And uh, Professor Pless, if you wouldn't mind describing these ladders, then we'll play some clips for you to, to talk about uh, what what ladders these these quotes are climbing. Yeah, Adolf Caberly uh, picks up on this thought, uh, really, that uh, is developed by Luther when he's uh, contrasting what God does to save us in coming to us and. Uh, man-made efforts to achieve some kind of union uh, with God. And and Caberly says the three ladders are the ladder of the will, uh, which has to do with uh, sanctification by adherence to a moral code, in other words, what we do in our uh, ethical life. The uh, ladder of emotion, most often uh, connected with mystical experience, that we are uh, brought to God through... uh, sanctification of feeling. And then thirdly, the ladder of the mind, which has to do with uh, coming to God on the basis of uh, human rationality, on the basis of power of, uh, of human thought. Okay, so those those are the ladders here. And uh, this first clip I have for you is a clip of um, Tom Cruise explaining Scientology. So here's a clip for your consideration <laughs> of which ladder. I think it's a privilege to call yourself a Scientologist, and it's something that you have to earn. And because a Scientologist does, he or she has the ability to create new and better realities and improve conditions. Uh, Being a Scientologist, you look at someone and you know absolutely that you can help them. So for me, it really is KSW, and it's just like, it's it's something that... uh, I don't mince words with that, you know, with, with anything that LRH does, but that policy to me has really gone, boy. And every, and I've, I, there's a time I went through and I said, you know what? When I read it, I, you know, I just went, this is it. This is exactly it. Being a Scientologist, when you drive past an accident, it's not like anyone else. As you drive past, you know you have to do something about it because you know you're the only one that can really help. But that's, that's what drives me, is that I know that we have an opportunity and uh, to really help for the first time effectively change people's lives. And uh, I am dedicated to that. I'm gonna, I'm absolutely, uncompromisingly dedicated to that. All right, Professor Pless, uh, what do you know about Scientology? 
I don't know a whole lot about Did you put the Mission Impossible actually. in the background? That's crazy. <laughs> What's that? He was asking me if I... I was I... asking Evan if he put the Mission Impossible music in the background. Yeah, as he was explaining this, he was hanging from the ceiling and not, not able to touch anything <laughs> in the room. Well, uh, that was an experience, I guess, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, from what little I know of Scientology, it uh, would fit uh, under that second ladder. Uh, it is a, a kind of a mystical, uh, a mystical knowledge, mystical cleansing. Uh, I'm not sure how much Scientology speaks of God or deity uh, directly, but kind of the universe is a mystical power, and through a connectivity with the power of uh, of, of that reality, uh, one can transcend self and do all kinds of things, from helping that vic- victim of an accident to having a better. Uh, uh, a better, more healthy uh, life in the world. Okay. Yeah, I remember going to college, and there was this Scientology booth always sitting there, and they always wanted you to grab onto these two tin cans so you can see how much unconfessed sin you had in your heart. That's basically what I thought it was. So, you get the, you get on the cleansing machine, and then you get uh, somehow cleansed out mystically. Uh, mm-hmm. What? A, it's a bit of a mess. Mm-hmm. As I said, I'm not that. Uh, familiar with all the tenets of Scientology, but from from what I know of Scientology, it has to do with uh, a, a spiritual or mystical energy that uh, the individual can access through uh, uh, through contact with uh, uh, with this uh, reality. Okay, so it's kind of goofy too that Scientology. I mean, science means knowledge, uh, and yet it is not the kind of um, a mental, rational sort of thing, but it's completely mystical. So, yeah, mystical uh, so you have this. Not, um, uh, yeah, uh, that that there is a mystery to the universe, a mystery to being, and uh, somehow to tap into that and to uh, to get those energies uh, focused on one's own life uh, is to provide for uh, a betterment, healing, what have you. How how would the the Christian respond to that? I mean, there's obviously people who are in need of, of healing, but what's the Christian response to someone in need of healing? Well, uh, it depends, again, on what kind of healing it is. There's, is there a, a healing of the, the emotions, the mind, uh, healing of the body? Uh, that, uh, the gospel uh, provides uh, the he- uh, healing in the uh, forgiveness of sins in the sense that uh, we are cleansed from our sins and uh, and given life with God through faith in, in Jesus Christ, that doesn't take away the pain. That doesn't take away uh, bodily affliction. We also learn how to live under the cross, how to live, bear with, uh, uh, bear with suffering. But the, the true healing is uh, from the gospel of the forgiveness of sins, and uh, the, and the uh, forgiveness of sins carries within itself the promise of the resurrection. Uh, which we await and and look for and uh, look for in uh, in in confidence and in hope. Okay, well that that's uh, Scientology with Tom Cruise, and this next one is uh, Dr. Michael Leitman, uh, who is describing Kabbalah, and uh, he's uh, talking about the the first two principles of Kabbalah, and he speaks to us through a translator. First of all, that. There's a, an upper force that we all live in. And we are 
the egoistic parts that are opposite to it. Our egos evolve, as we said, for the past few thousand years in this world. At the end of this development, we will reach a state that we have to unify with this force. Who are we? That's the second principle. This upper force is entirely good, bestowing and giving, and it created us opposite itself as egoists, in order that the ego will develop in us to a point where we can reveal that our nature is destructive and that there's nothing worse than it and that we want to burst out of this in the same way that we would want to break free from an old skin and to become like it. Then, by the method of Kabbalah, we will be able to become like it. All right, so there's Kabbalah. Uh, Professor Pless? <laughs> Where do you guys find all this stuff? <laughs> the, we, were, we were playing What's in Your Pastor's Library with Pastor Wolfmuller earlier, and we pulled all this stuff out. <laughs> You must have some weird books. <laughs> well, uh, this sounds like, a uh, again, a kind of a mysticism of the second ladder, in that, um, from the little quip that we were given there, uh, God is uh, pictured as this spiritual force or spiritual power that is... Uh, uh, completely transcendent, and that uh, he has created us, according to this uh, teaching, as self-standing egos who need to find their true uh, synthesis uh, in, uh, uh, in him. And apparently this is a method for achieving uh, that, uh, uh, that, that, uh, that, that synthesis. And it uh, apparently happening happens through a kind of uh, uh, self-emptying so that the ego uh, finally, through uh, evolutionary process, moves from this lower form of existence uh, to reconciliation with, uh, the, to use a Paul Tillich phrase, the ground of all being. That's kind of how this deity apparently is, uh, is, is viewed. And so it's a it's a very much a kind of idealism. We see that uh, uh, that uh, uh, that uh, mysticism itself uh, operates with a kind of Platonic or Neoplatonic mm-hmm. idealism of higher and lower, and always the movement of the creature who is lower uh, and finite to the uh, infinite to the one who is pictured as, um, if not creator, perhaps as creator, but uh, is pictured as kind of ground of uh, ground of all being or this uh, spiritual uh, energy, which perhaps is uh, be equated with the universe itself. All right, let's continue talking about that, Kabbalah and Witch Ladder, on Table Talk Radio with Professor John Pless from Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. We'll be right back. Don't go away. I almost lost my identity in this answer.
No online petition necessary. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. And now, it's time for Table Talk Extras with Vicar Evan Gigline. One of the articles of faith that is often overlooked in popular Christianity today is the article on original sin. Sure, most denominations will recognize that a such thing as original sin. I mean, Adam and Eve sinned, and that sin is passed on to us. But what are the effects of that sin? Well, hear what Paul writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, chapter 14. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them, because they are spiritually appraised. This picture that St. Paul paints for us is that of a dead corpse. Natural man, that is, a man before regeneration, can do as much to react to God as a dead person can react to your voice. You speak to a dead corpse, get up, and it does nothing. It's a dead corpse. And so it is when you tell someone apart from faith to do something to please God. He just can't do it. This should be our basis for preaching the gospel. And our role in evangelism is not to manipulate or convince someone to do something, but rather to see them as the scripture says they are, dead in their sins. And the only way to bring life to this dead corpse is to preach the word of God, the law and its sternness and the gospel and its sweetness. For as Romans 10 says, faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of God. So by preaching the repentance and forgiveness they too may be given faith by the Holy Spirit through his word and be brought alive in Christ. Lord, give us the courage to speak forth your word so that the dead may be alive in you through the work of your Holy Spirit. Amen. This has been a production of Table Talk Radio. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org. Table Talk Radio. We are in the middle of playing uh, Which Ladder, and we're having a special guest talk about that with us, Professor John Pless, Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Professor, we're in the middle of talking about Kabbalah. Which ladder did you say Kabbalah is climbing here? The second, the ladder of, of mysticism. All right. And so I have I've got a question about this just okay. kind of in a general way. Uh, it seems like there's a lot of religions that emphasize uh, the loss of your own personal identity so that our our, our uh, sinfulness lies in our individuality and when we lose ourselves to the whole something greater uh, then we become part of something good instead of the part of the individual evil. And this is part of this mysticism is that we kind of dismiss the ego or our own person in order to embrace some sort of more cosmic reality. Oh, yeah, I think you uh, see that in both Buddhism and uh, Hinduism in a variety of ways uh, through, uh, uh, through the individual being unreconciled or separated from uh, the universe and just as a drop of water, a single drop of water uh, is returned to the sea, uh, so uh, the individual becomes part of uh, part of the cosmos. 
I have one more uh, clip for you to to determine which ladder is being uh, climbed here. The first time, the first clip we had was Scientology, but this clip is Christian Science. So here it is. Study of Christian Science, my of healing or yes, act of the Bible and prayer and God. Would you say that Christian Science is both a uh, religion, mm-hmm. uh, of course? Uh, but also uh, a system of, of healing or yes. health care. Is yes. that a fair yes. statement to say? Well, the very title, Science and Health, you know, uh-huh. indicates that it's, it is a religion and it is health care. But I think the main emphasis point here is that it, it's, it's about a relationship with God that becomes practical in the very foundation of how you live. Hmm. That, to me, is, is crucial. If I can just tell you uh, one thing of my own coming into my study of Christian science, my worship of God that way, uh, was uh, going through teenage years. I went through severe depression. Uh, it was suicidal. It seems like I'm talking about a different person back then. Mm. It really, mm. it was so different. But uh, during that period, I know that my mother was praying for me as best as she could. Um, but when I did come through that, what brought me through was not maybe what counselors and others would want me to do, which is, Phil, you've got to love yourself. That would not have done it. What brought me through that period was learning, and this is going to sound so trite, that God actually loved me. Hmm. I can't think of anything more profound in my life than to feel a palpable presence of the Father and, you know, the creator of the universe, that God was loving me. It changed everything. It turned things around to give me the ability to help others. All right. So that was uh, Dennis Holy interviewing Christian scientist Phil Davis. Uh, Professor, is uh, Christian science either Christian or scientific? (laughs) I would say that it is not Christian, uh, nor is it scientific, that uh, it is a a profound misreading of uh, the scriptures, and um, and it... uh, uh, certainly doesn't uh, accord with uh, what we know of uh, of, of uh, physiological sciences. So, which which uh, ladder is is being involved here? Would it be the the ladder of moralism, mysticism, or uh, intellectualism? Yeah. Well, I would put it under the third ladder, the ladder of the mind, because uh, Christian science uh, seems to be. Kind of a philosophy, a uh, theory that if we think rationally uh, about God and about ourselves, uh, we will able, be able then to live in harmony with Him in um, uh, in, in our minds, and that this mental state uh, will then affect uh, bodily reality. Okay, then uh, tell us then, uh, Professor Plus about Christianity, and what latter uh, is involved in, in Christianity, if any at all? Well, uh, Christianity involves a breaking of the ladders. Uh, <laughs> if uh, you are ever on the campus of uh, uh, Luther Seminary in St. Paul, in their old Northwestern Seminary Chapel, they have this uh, sculpted uh, crucifix, and lean in the center of the chapel and then kind of leaning on the crucifix you have broken ladders and I think that uh, piece of art actually uh, illustrates 
of what Lutherans like to refer to as the theology of the cross in opposition to a theology of the latter. Uh, that uh, Christianity is not about our ascent to God by way of, uh, of the will or emotion or mind. It's not our climbing up to heaven, uh, but it is God coming down to us. Uh, God coming in the flesh and blood of his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is born of Mary. And that uh, child in Mary's lap then going to the cross, uh, to atone for the sins of the world so that uh, through faith in him uh, we might have life with God in the forgiveness of our sins. And and so the the trajectory is not from earth to heaven, uh, but from heaven to earth. God comes. He draws near. Uh, he draws near to us. Uh, one uh, theologian, Oswald Bayer, I think very helpfully described uh, this aspect of uh, of Luther's theology, where he kind of playfully uh, paraphrases Luther, uh, where Luther says, if you uh, attempt to climb up into heaven, when you get to the top of the ladder, uh, God pulls the ladder out from under you and says, hey, don't look for me up there, look for me down here in the crib at the cross. And so the Lord comes to us. It's not about our climbing up to him, but about uh, his... Uh, uh, is coming to us as our Savior. Well, Professor, you've been uh, very generous, generous with your time uh, so far. I was wondering if you could uh, stay with us um, just a little bit longer and play a quick game of, of Answer the Question As. Okay. Do you have time for Let's that? Go for it. Okay. Well, I have uh, six categories and six questions here. Um, the, the, cate- the, the theological categories in is number one would be Lutheran perspective, number two, Methodist, number three is a Calvinist, Four, Emergent Church. Number five, Roman Catholic. And number six, Pentecostal, uh, Pastor Wolfmuller's favorite. Um, <laughs> and the, hey, is this, by the way, the uh, the uh, uh, answer the question as throwdown to where I'm going up against Professor Pless? And oh, you're yeah, gonna that's it. right. I forgot about that. Okay, so we're... The, we're <laughs> The answer to the question as throwdown. I, did, I don't know if you know this, Professor Pless, but I've challenged you. So you're going to answer one, and I'm going to answer the other, and then Evan will see uh, which he prefers. Okay. Um, yeah, so so I'm, I'm, we're going to roll the dice. Uh, one's, one's for Pastor uh, Wolfmiller and one's for Professor Pless, and we'll see uh, who is awarded the, the, the winner of the, of the round. And so then the, the questions then available are, uh, number one, how do you come to know truth? Number two, what is the center of your theology? Number three, uh, how do you know you're saved? Number four, uh, what is baptism? Five, what is Lord's Supper? Number six, what is your view of the end times? All right. So I'm going to roll the dice for the question. I get number four. This is for Professor Pless. What is baptism? And answer the question as number six, a Pentecostal. (laughs) Baptism uh, with water is uh, what we do uh, to uh, uh, to seal our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. When we recognize that He is our Savior, uh, we then uh, we may, we then, in obedience to His uh, uh, to His command, uh, are baptized with water. But baptism with water uh, anticipates that greater baptism which He promises. Uh, he says, you shall be baptized with the Spirit. 
And so baptism with water prepares the way, just like John the Baptist prepared uh, the way for uh, Christ coming with the power of the Holy Spirit, so that when uh, Christ uh, comes into our lives not only as Savior but as Lord of our lives so that we are completely uh, given over uh, to him, he indwells us with his uh, Holy Spirit. And and, and this is uh, what uh, Paul refers to as baptism uh, in the Spirit. It's often uh, made manifest with uh, speaking in tongues or by uh, exhibiting other gifts, uh, gifts of the Spirit. And it brings to completion, it brings to fullness uh, what God starts in our lives when, the, uh, when, when we are brought to, brought to faith and baptized with water according to his commandment. Well, that is uh, very well done. I'm going to award 500 points for Professor Pless with that answer, what is baptism, answering as a Pentecostal. And we're going to give Pastor Wolf there a question right after this next commercial break. We want to hear from you, our listeners. Uh, you can do so by calling our, our listener response line, 866-851-5523, or sending us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. Visit our website, tabletalkradio.org, and, and chat with us on our forum as well. That's tabletalkradio.org. More answer the question as Pastor Brian Wolfmiller versus Professor Pless right after this commercial break. Don't go away. <laughs> There's a lady who's sure All it glitters is gold And she's buying the stairway to heaven When she gets there she knows If the stores are all closed With a word she can get what she came You really are listening to Table Talk Radio. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. A helper he appears of God, a boast of his Welcome back to the Reformation, Reformation edition of Table Talk Radio. We're in the middle of playing Answer the Question As. It's a Answer the Question As showdown. Professor John Pless of Concordia Theological Seminary uh, already standing with 500 points. And uh, Pastor Brian Wolfmiller, co-host of Table Talk Radio, is awaiting his first question. Now, I, by the way, Evan, gave Professor Pless 200 points for each of his which latter answers. Oh. Giving him a total of 1,100 points. Wait a minute. That's more than me. Yes. <laughs> okay. That's if I can't beat you, I'll make sure someone does. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I rolled the dice for Pastor Wolfmiller's question, and your question is number three. How do you know that you're saved? And answer this question as number four, someone in the emergent church. <laughs> well, for us emergents, uh, our whole Christianity is about an uh, an authentic Christ life life in the community 
uh, of Jesus followers. And so I can know I'm saved when my life reflects the injunctions of Jesus. For example, to care for the poor, to heal the sick, to uh, be concerned with society. And as far as I can serve as a leaven or a, something that brings the goodness of God, I, I can bring the, the kingdom to earth now in my Christ-like living, then I can know that I'm saved. Uh, Professor Pless, you're the expert on, on the emergent church. Uh, how, how would you evaluate his answer? What grade would you give him? Oh, I give him a pretty high grade there. I think uh, 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 I think he kind of uh, went to the to the heart of the matter when he talks about uh, kind of self salvation as a self realization or a kind of a self actualizing that you, uh, you you know you're saved when you're when you're when you're doing the Jesus thing when you're imitating Christ when uh, the uh, Injunctions that the Lord Jesus gave to care for the poor, uh, to uh, to help the down and out, are being enacted in 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 your life. All right. Well, for that, then I will give uh, 500 points to Pastor Brian Wolfmuller, and let's do Woo. one more round then of answer the question as uh, Professor Plus. Are you ready? Okay. All right. Your question is number one. Uh, how do you come to know truth? And answer this question as number two, a Methodist. <laughs> well, truth is uh, is multifaceted. Uh, we know truth uh, uh, certainly through uh, the scriptures, uh, but uh, we have to come to the scriptures through uh, tradition uh, and uh, reason uh, and and experience. And our apprehension of the truth uh, will always be in part. Uh, we none of us has a has a corner uh, on the truth, and the best we can uh, can hope for is to uh, experience uh, in our own lives uh, something of the truth of the warmth of God's love uh, for us uh, that we see uh, uh, that we see in Christ and that is. Uh, enacted in the tradition the history of uh, history of the church and and that we uh, we would think about truth then in terms of uh, of spiritual truth of, of knowing uh, uh, knowing God and, and and knowing his love but we would realize that uh, that uh, truth also includes that which we might know about the universe and about our ourselves and about other people uh, through um, uh, through experiences in life and and uh, and, and and through um, and, and through the use of the the human mind and the reason that uh, uh, that that uh, uh, that the Creator has uh, has implanted uh, within us. Very good. Yeah. What uh, John Wesley had that uh, view of of Scripture that we read it through uh, tradition and experience and, and uh, things of that nature. Is that right? And reason. And reason, that's right. That's the one I can think of. Very good. Okay, so that's another 500 points for Professor Plus, uh, bringing you to a total of then 1,600 points. Yeesh. And uh, we're down then to uh, Pastor Wolfmiller's response here. Uh, and that here is rolling the dice. Number six, um, the question, I'm sorry. Yeah, number six, the question is, um, what is your view of the end times? And answer this question as number five, a Roman Catholic. So as a Roman Catholic, Pastor Wolfmuller, 
or Father Wolf Mueller. Uh, <laughs> uh, what what is your view of the end times? Oh man, that's a tricky one. Let me. I gotta think about this a little do bit. Do you need Do you need a lifeline? Uh, phone a professor. You <laughs> call up my uh, Romanist friends here and see. Well, uh, we do confess the creed. We Romanists do. Uh, so we believe that Jesus will come to judge the quick and the dead, uh, and that He'll raise all the dead, and that the um, the the alive in Christ, those who have been purged of their sinful nature uh, through grace-infused good works, will inherit the blessed beatific vision of heaven, uh, while those who have not will be cast off into the uh, into the abyss of hell. Now, the one particularly unique thing about my Roman Catholic view of the end times is this uh, doctrine of purgatory, and that is when a person dies uh, with still some of the remnants of uh, of unrepented or un, um, un uh, how would we say that, uh, sins that have not properly been expunged, uh, we got to go down to this purgatory uh, so that they can be burned off with fire. So I have a, a unique eschatology in that there's three options when a person dies. A uh, soul can go to heaven or hell or purgatory. In fact, there's a fourth uh, option, too, for those uh, sanctified heathens or babies who die without the gift of baptism, and that's what we call limbo as well, although the Pope has been uh, horsing around with that doctrine. Uh, so these are some of my particular Roman Catholic eschatological views. Can you explain to me what a sanctified heathen is? Well, you know, uh, Plato, who who knew all about uh, God, but uh, uh, never knew about Jesus, you see. Oh, okay. All right. Uh, Professor Plus, what grade would you give on that answer? <laughs> oh, I'd give him a, a good B-plus on that, at least. What was lacking in that response? Well, I think uh, he could have done a little more with the whole kind of continuum from nature uh, to grace there, that uh, uh, in Roman Catholic eschatology, uh, you have really the concluding work of grace over against nature. So uh, again, uh, he, uh, Pastor Wolf Miller correctly stated uh, that uh, Roman Catholics do affirm the end of the creed, uh, the return of Christ to judge the living and the dead. Um, but um, within uh, Roman Catholic theology, uh, the emphasis, I think, on the um, second uh, coming of Christ is on uh, uh, the consummation of this created world into uh, uh, in, 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 in to union with Christ, uh, so that Christ will rule as uh, as as King by His grace over all nature, and and this is then of course where uh, the salvation of the of, of the pagan comes in. Herman Sasse, a Lutheran theologian of the last generation, quipped that after the Second Vatican Council, it's hard for a self-respecting pagan. Uh, to go to go to hell in the Roman Church, and that we have seen uh, kind of the inroads of universalistic teaching in Roman Catholic theology, Hans or with Hans Kuhn or with Karl Rahner, anonymous Christians, uh, that sort of thing, so that um, uh, so that a pagan who strives and uh, attempts to live a moral uh, life is is uh, uh, is is then uh, rewarded by God's uh, grace, and that uh, striving and that imperfection is brought to uh, uh, perfection, uh, brought to consummation or to perfection eschatologically. I'm I'm looking at the list. Uh, by the way, Pastor Ruffin, I'll give you 400 points for that. Um, <laughs> it's a reminder why we don't 
Never play this game at home. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, Professor, I'm looking at this list, and and one of the questions we didn't get to is, what is the center of your theology? So with about a minute left, um, would you answer, what is the center of your theology as a Lutheran? The center of my theology as a Lutheran is the God who justifies the ungodly. Uh, That is, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ who uh, came in the flesh uh, to suffer and to die, to bring to an end uh, the accusation of the law, uh, to, um, to bring to sinners uh, reconciliation with God uh, that we could never achieve on our own, uh, to give uh, to us, uh, through his gospel, uh, the, very, uh, the very life and the salvation uh, that uh, that God's heart literally breaks in Christ uh, to bestow upon His creatures. Uh, so it's all about um, uh, it's all about Jesus Christ and the fact that He uh, does for us what we could not do for ourselves. Uh, that salvation is not our achievement, uh, but His uh, but His gift, and we live by faith in His promises. Professor Pless, thank you for joining us for Table Talk Radio today. Thank you. All right, and thank you all for listening to Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like sermons with no mention of Jesus. Completely useless. (laughs) You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like to answer your questions concerning theology, the scriptures, or anything else. Send your questions to question at tabletalkradio.org or leave us a voicemail message, 866-851-5523. Be sure to check out our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening, and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.